Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. Hey, what's up, Celebration? I hope you guys are having a great day today. Carrie and I are actually in London this weekend speaking at Hillsong London. We're going to be back for next weekend as we continue in our series, Marriage, Family, and Civilization. And next weekend is going to be a big weekend. We're entitling the Sunday, the You Asked For It Sunday of the Marriage, Family, and Civilization series. And that is this, that you can text in any questions that you have about marriage, family, Uh, sexuality, your kids, anything. No question is off limits. Text your questions in to the number at the bottom of the screen. Our campus pastors are going to also talk about that in just a few moments. And then next Sunday, Carrie and I will both be on stage and uh, we are going to respond to the You Asked For It Sunday in our Marriage and Family series. It's going to be a great Sunday. You guys lean in today as our campus pastors are going to bring you a great word in the series. We love you guys, we miss you guys, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Celebration Church. Come on. Keep that round of applause going. Help me welcome in everybody joining us throughout the building here at the arena, all of our campuses, our online audience, as well as everyone listening someday in the future via podcast to this message. We're so glad you're here. Uh, My name is John. I'm the campus pastor here at the Arena Campus. And uh, as you heard pastors say, our campus pastors are preaching uh, at all of our campuses and our venues this weekend. So it's a pleasure and a privilege uh, of mine to deliver the word today in our Marriage, Family, and Civilization series. Yeah. Come on, man. It's going to be awesome. Uh, We've had a great morning so far, and I I hope the Lord will bless you and speak to you. I hope you really lean into the word today. Uh, Last week, Pastor Sobel kicked off the Marriage, Family, and Civilization series with an incredible message. I highly recommend that if you missed it, that you uh, pick up the CD in the loft or maybe uh, go online to the Celebration Church app or a podcast and listen to it because he really set the table for the entire series last week and it was a great message. You definitely want to check it out if you missed it. I'm going to deliver a me- uh, meal to the table, so to speak, but he set the table for the whole thing last week. And you heard him say that next week, it's the You Asked For It edition of the Marriage, Family, and Civilization series. Man, we've done these before, like Frequently Asked Questions, Q&A with Pastor Stovall, Pastor Kerry. We've done these before. These are some of my favorite services, and they're, they're services that, like, you don't forget these services, like, for years. Like, where Pastor Stovall and Pastor Kerry, they get up, they're very transparent, and they give real honest answers to your toughest questions about marriage, family, and dating. So if you're singles, man, we need you guys to... Text in, I think we got the number up here on the screens. I uh, need you to go ahead and take that number down, jot it in your journal or put it in your phone right now. And by the end of the day today, we need to collect your messages. We're not gonna do them on the spot next Sunday. We wanna look through them this week, find out what the trends are, see what the themes are that are most pressing to the largest part of our church. And uh, those are the ones that we're gonna address next week. And um, I think the plan right now is that in the morning, it'll be more of a G and PG rated uh, session, family friendly. But the 5.30 service at our new service time, the 5.30 service with Pastor Tobin and Pastor Kerry, that's where you want to double dip, right? You want to come back for the 5.30 service because they're going to handle some of the, the more sensitive topics and, and sensitive titles and uh, more sensitive answers in that environment. So make plans now to come for both services next week in the morning and in the evening at 5.30, our new service time. You will be glad that you did. 
Let's turn in our uh, scriptures. If you got your paper Bible, you can bust it out and turn to Ephesians chapter two or get out your phone or, uh, or your, uh, whatever platform you look at your scriptures on. And uh, in Ephesians chapter two, I'm gonna read a passage, but then we're gonna dig into something in Ephesians chapter five, just a few pages behind that. As you go there, I just wanna thank Pastor Stovall for the, the honor and the privilege of preaching this weekend. You know, um, as a pastor here on staff, we have a lot of opportunities to minister to you in different ways. And uh, we have a great staff, we have a great team here at the arena. I'm part of a, an incredible staff here at the arena that I get to be a part of ministering to you, but then to get a chance to preach the word of God to our church family, it is just one of my favorite things in the whole world to do. And I just really appreciate it. I appreciate him and I appreciate you guys because you guys are all the ones that stayed that when you found out it wasn't pastor preaching, you didn't hit the door, you stuck around to hear the word and I pray God's gonna bless you tonight, man. Today he's gonna give you the word that you've been waiting for because you were faithful and you stuck around. I also wanna take a quick second just to honor uh, my wife. My wife Carrie is here with us today. Can you put your hands together for my wife Carrie? Come on, man, and my, my daughters, Hannah and Raina, they're here in the building somewhere. <laughs> they have, they've disappeared, but they're here in the building somewhere. I know this, but um, uh, I just wanna say the things that I'm about to, to share with you are, are from the scriptures, but my experience is that without, I'm kind of laying out my cards of what I'm gonna share about, but I believe that, that a great marriage is based on grace. It's based on grace. It's not just based on being able to figure everything out or having complete understanding of the principles of being a great husband or wife, but I believe it's based on grace and, and the reason that I am who I am and the reason I'm able to do all that God's called me to do is because I have a wife that's filled with grace, that's by my side supporting me, my wife and kids, man, they are, the three of them together are the reason that I'm here on this stage and able to minister to all of you. So one more time, can you put a hand, your hands together for them? Thanks, baby, I love you. All right, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. This is out of the NIV. Let me just read it to you. It's actually two, eight, and I think nine, two. But um, it's a famous passage. You probably heard it before. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse nine says, not by works so that no one can boast. So no one can boast. I love this statement. This is in the New Testament, in, in the writings of Paul. This is like the, the ultimate uh, condensed statement of what the gospel is all about. It's like Jesus has John three sixteen, where it kind of is that one verse, it's the football verse, it's the one you see behind the goalposts whenever there's a field goal and somebody holds up a sign and says John three sixteen. The reason is that one verse contains the gist of the entire gospel in one place. This one, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I love it. It's kind of that same thing. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It summarizes our relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is not based on our good works or our good behavior or our achievements, our religion. It's not based on any of those things. It's based on God's grace extended to us in his son, Jesus. We receive him by faith as our savior and we receive God's grace that fills the gap between he and us. And in that, we are saved. Our eternal part becomes redeemed because of God's grace, not because we act a certain way or behave a certain way, but because of his grace. And what I'm gonna propose to you today in the scriptures and show you is that I believe as that same relationship with God is based on grace, that our marriages are supposed to be based on grace as well. That we can know a lot about marriage, read a lot about marriage, we can learn a lot, and there's a lot of wisdom and skill that's out there that we can apply, but ultimately, our marriages are designed to be a reflection in the natural of what God has done in the spiritual realm. Our, our relationship with God is, is modeled in our relationship with our spouse. And so if our relationship with God is based on grace, so also should our marriages be based 
on grace. And let me start to show you that here in Ephesians chapter five, verse 21. I've done like, I think 50 weddings here at Celebration Church, man, tons of weddings here at Celebration Church. I love it. I'm always, I love doing, being a part of weddings. Those are a day that no one ever forgets, you know, and it's awesome and special to be a part of that. So um, some of you in here, man, I did your weddings. Oh yeah. And um, I try to take it easy on the oh yeahs at weddings. You know, it's very formal. You know, I'm wearing a suit and stuff, man. I try to tame the oh yeahs. But uh, in premarital counseling, this is the verse, Ephesians 5, 21, that I pointed you to. And now I'm pointing the whole church to it. I think if this, if this is what you, the one thing you take away about marriage, this verse, this, this'll get you through all the way to the end of your marriage, all the way. It'll take you the distance, 10, 20, 30, 50, as long as you got till Jesus comes back, you'll be married if you can remember this verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How about that? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I'm gonna go ahead and read this passage and we'll dig into it over the next few minutes. In verse 22, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Don't stop there, keep reading, there's more. I'm watching you husbands. It says, husbands, your turn. Love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ feeds and cares for the church. For we are members of his body. He's the head, we're the body of Christ. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is Paul quoting Jesus, who's quoting Genesis. This is found in the Old Testament and the Gospels and the New Testament, this principle. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes today about building a marriage that's based on grace. And I've entitled this message, G-Harmony. Write it down. G-Harmony. I like to make a fun name just so that you'll remember it. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we do thank you, God, for your word that guides us and leads us in every area of life, in particular in our relationships around uh, dating and around marriage. God, you, you show us how to build our marriages based on grace and based on your word. And we can't do it without you, God. Our faith and our hope is in you. Speak to us this morning, God. I pray that you'd speak to each one of our hearts exactly what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. All right, G-Harmony. You heard of E-Harmony? You guys heard of this? Like it's like an online dating service. Now, I have to preface this by saying that I have absolutely zero, uh, uh, zero understanding of this. I've never used it. I've never accessed it because, man, when I met Carrie, it's our 20th anniversary of the year that we met, right? 20 years ago, we met 1995. Remember the 90s? No computers, no cell phones, no internet. My kids are like, what in the world did you do? Were you like writing on cave walls with a rock? No, no computers. We didn't own one. No cell phones, no internet. The internet was around, but we didn't have access to it. So this was not an option for us. We met the old fashioned way. Uh, we worked together. We met face to face. I saw her smile. I was smitten. I fell head over heels in love with her and the rest is history. Amen. That's how we did it back in the day. But 
That's how I met my wife, and it's true, all of it's true. Someday, maybe we'll have coffee, I'll tell you all about it, but I'm not here, I just wanna share with you about eHarmony a little bit. Here's what I know, not by experience, but by checking it out, right? They take information about you, and they match it with information about other people, and they try to find a match, and they promise their customers, this is on their website, I looked it up on their website, this is their value proposition, it says, our bold scientific approach to dating means more quality dates with deeply compatible singles that truly understand you. Sounds pretty good, huh? More quality dates with deeply compatible singles that truly understand you. That's what you get if you participate with eHarmony. Now, I'm not here to preach for nor against uh, electronic dating or, or internet dating here today. If you're into that, man, God bless you. Good for you. Don't quit on account of me. But what I would contend for all of you who are dating and all of you who are married here today is that compatibility might be good for dating, for short-term relationships. But ultimately, if you want to build a relationship with another human being that's going to go the distance, that's going to last 10, 30, 50, 70 years until Jesus comes back or you go to be with him, one or the other. If you want to build a, that kind of a relationship, the kind of relationship whereby you would be willing to stand at an altar in the presence of God and all of your family and friends and look that person in the eye and promise that for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health, for the rest of my life, starting this day and every day, for the rest of my life, I promise to lay my life down for you, to serve you, to love you, and to belong to you. That's gonna take a little bit more depth than simply compatibility. Compatibility might get you a short-term relationship, but to make that kind of a statement to someone who might be, we call them your soulmate, that person that you're willing to take that kind of a sacrifice to be with them for the rest of your life. That's gonna take grace. And here's why. Compatibility is gonna change over time. Compatibility won't be the same. You may right now have the same hobbies and interests and your personalities, but I'll tell you what, I'm a different person than I was 20 years ago. I have different hobbies, different interests. There are different things about me and my personality that have just changed over time. I've grown, praise the Lord, since the time I was 23 and I met my wife. Yes, I am 43 years old. I have found the fountain of youth. But come on, man, all you, all you married people in the house, you know things change from the time that you're single, oh, and you're dating, Ooh, man, you've got all this time on your hands. And then, you, okay, so things change. You get married, and things change. First child, then things change. Crawling, things change. Toddling, things change. Next kid, things change. Preschool, things change. Elementary school, things change. Middle school, things change. You, you started your life, you had all this time for hobbies and interests, and you knew exactly who you are based on all those things. Now you got no money, no time, and you're exhausted. <laughs> you never get any sleep. Come on, man, your parents know what I mean. It's not easy. And over time, if you're trying to build your marriage on those same things that made you compatible when you were 20 years old and single, you're gonna have issues as life goes on, right? You're gonna need God's grace in your relationship with your spouse to be able to keep the vows that you take on that day at the altar. Are you with me? It's gotta be built on God's grace. It'll never be built on our striving or our perfection or even on the things that make us who, us, who we are at the moment. It's always gonna be the grace to embrace new seasons as they come along. Why can't we build our marriages on compatibility? I couldn't find anything in the Bible about it. I couldn't find anything in the Bible about it. We can't, if, if our marriages are meant 
to uh, be a symbolic, uh, a symbolic representation of our marriage with Jesus, of our relationship with Jesus, which is built on grace, not on works, but on grace. Shouldn't our marriages be built on grace too? We can't build them on compatibility, because honestly, before Jesus, we're not compatible with God at all. We have absolutely nothing in common with God before we're saved. He's holy, we're not. He's sinless, we are sinful. He's pure, we are not. Like, we have nothing in common with God, and yet by his grace, he reaches out to us, and he bridges the gap between he and us, and he brings us into relationship with him by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Our relationship with God is fully built on grace, not on compatibility. And so if our marriages are going to model that relationship, they have to be built on grace as well. Are you with me? Is this making sense to you? All right, man, yeah, give a round of applause, man, I love it. The coolest thing that I love about God's grace is that it's free. I mentioned the part, once you got kids, you're broke. Come on, I told them, man, when they graduate and they're gone, we'll be rich and cool again. Oh, yeah. I love God's grace, it's free. It's free, he purchased it for us. 2,000 years ago on the cross, it's paid in full. Everything that God, that we need for our relationships and our marriages, especially to be whole and healthy and, and active, great marriages, all of it was bought for us by Jesus through his sacrifice on the cross. The same grace that purchases our salvation will purchase a great marriage for us. So I wanna share with you today three ways that we can build our marriages on God's grace and have some G harmony in our lives. Are you ready for them? If you got your pencils or your pens or your phones out, you can write down this way. Three things I wanna share with you on how to build our marriages on God's grace. First, we gotta trust God's word. We gotta trust God's word. I know I'm the preacher that always comes up with the insanely practical things. I like practical points. First thing, we gotta trust God's word. Marriage culture comes and goes, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Jesus says, man, the heavens and the earth and everything you see will pass away, but my word never will. How about that? And he says here, I love this passage in, in Luke chapter six. I'm gonna read it to you. This is uh, one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded in like Matthew five through seven. It's here in Luke in chapter six. He's speaking to crowds, but then it says that he brings his disciples close and he shares with them several things, including this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say. Hey, why, why, don't, why don't your words line up with my words? Why don't your actions line up with my words? He's speaking to his disciples. Ooh, that stung a little bit. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, notice not if, but when a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, here in Jacksonville, we live by the beach. Love the beach. Beach is one of my favorite. Whoo, my goodness, you might be listening to this somewhere where there is no beach, but think about the ocean. When you're standing on the shore and the waves are coming in and going out, you're kind of in that place on the beach, you're standing on sand and the waves are coming in and going out and coming in and going out. If you stand there long enough, what happens? You start to sink. 
the, the action of the, the waves, the flood coming in and going out, it erodes the sand underneath your feet and around your legs and you begin to sink. What felt like solid ground when you first stepped there starts to, to sink and to disappear underneath you because there's no foundation. The foundation is missing. And in the same way, if we build our marriages on culture, which is shifting and changing all the time, we'll have trouble, we'll begin to sink. We won't be building on a sure foundation. We understand that the, the government has a, a place to say what, how the government decide, defines marriage. Uh, pop icons can define marriage, all right? Celebrities can define marriage by the way that they behave in their marriages. Here's what I would submit to you. Maybe you don't want to base your marriage on a celebrity marriage. Maybe, just maybe, now, hey, if you're a celebrity out there, man, and you love Jesus and you're living for God, good for you. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. We love you guys, man. Thanks for living God first under the public eye and under scrutiny. For, for the most part, celebrities are not good to look to for role models in marriage. Young people, do you hear me, right? Man, don't, don't look at Kanye. He's not, a, I don't know, man, if you want to model him as a husband, you know what I'm saying? I won't go any further. Not calling out Kanye. Love you, Kanye. Come on, give your life to Jesus. We love you, man. But don't build your marriage relationship on what culture says is adequate. It's shifting sand. It's constantly changing. You'll find yourself sinking over time. Instead, I would propose to you to build it on the word of God that does not change. It is eternal. And the word of God is complete and sufficient to provide you with everything you need to have a great foundation for marriage. So what does the word say? What does the word say? Ephesians 5:21. Here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I promise this is an encouraging and uplifting message. <laughs> submit. Nobody likes that word submit. In the Greek, that word submit is hypo, hypotasso. Hypotasso. It means to yield, to serve under. It's a military term in the Greek that in, in military circles they would use it as submission to a uh, authority, like a commanding officer. In a, a civilian kind of setting, the way that they would use that term would be to come alongside in cooperation and collaboration and carry a load together. Ooh, how about that for a great picture of marriage? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission in marriage shows that we're relying on God's grace to get the job done. Let me say that again. Submission in marriage, it shows that we're relying on God's grace to get the job done. It's saying to your spouse that I'm gonna love you the way Jesus loves me. It says, instead of waiting for you to get it right, I'm going to take the lead and I'm going to lay down my life for you the way Jesus laid down his life for me. That takes grace. Wives, it takes coming to your husband and saying, all that I am and all that I have is, is yours. In the same way that I surrender my life to Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. We're in this together for the long haul, you and I. That's submission to one another out of reverence for Christ in marriage. And I'll tell you this, whatever we face in our marriages, we have the grace of God to cover us it's grace of, the grace of God is laying down your needs to meet your spouse's needs, trusting that God's grace is gonna be all that you need. Let me say that again. You're positioned under an open heaven. You're positioned under the Lord as a spouse, myself as a husband. 
I'm giving freely, Carrie, everything that she needs, everything that I can possibly provide for her, not waiting for her to do the same for me in return. I'm not looking to her to meet my needs. I'm looking to God to meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I have an endless supply of everything I need for life and godliness to fulfill the call of God on my life and the ministry as husband. It all comes from the Lord. And I just freely hand it to Carrie. I freely give the grace that's been shown to me to Carrie. God promises to always keep that fountain open. Always keep it coming. Always show me more and more grace for every season of life that we go to. I'm not looking to my wife to meet my needs. I'm looking to my Lord to meet my needs. That's submission to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we'll trust in God's word about this without trying to understand it all, I don't understand how that works, but if we'll trust that the word is right, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, we will have grace at the center of our marriages. Amen? Come on, if we trust God's words, our marriage will go the distance. Next thing, next key to building your marriage on grace is to embrace the mystery. Come on, man, you gotta have grace to embrace the mystery. Marriage is a beautiful mystery. Ephesians 5.31, back to the text, says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. There it is, right there in the, in the scriptures. It's a mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church and the church. Look, it takes more than just book smarts to have a marriage based on grace. If you Google Books on marriage, you'll get about 200 million hits. 200 million hits. If you go to Amazon and you take a look in their marriage section, they have about 19,000 titles on marriage, books on marriage available for you. They got books on, uh, books on happy marriage, books on sad marriage, books on communication, books on love languages, books on boundaries. They got books on um, how to get what you want in your marriage. They got books, uh, learn, learn, learn. You could read all these books, right? Guess where you end up? Hey baby, where you wanna go for dinner tonight? I don't care wherever you want to go. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You got to embrace the mystery. You're not going to have all the answers in your marriage. Look, why is marriage mysterious? It's because God is mysterious. God is three in one. I don't understand that. God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but he's one God. Three equals one. I don't understand that. Put that into your marriage calculator and figure out how three equals one in a bold scientific approach. I don't know how it works. Three equals one. God's three persons. He's in heaven and he's not schizophrenic, but he's having a conversation with himself. Hey, let's make man in our image. He's talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He's talking to himself. Let us make man in our image. How about that? I don't understand how all that works. But it doesn't stop it from being true. And it doesn't stop it from working in our lives, all right? And we can't understand God, that's all right. It means we're not God. So God, three equals one, I don't understand that. And then we get this picture of marriage, that it's a husband and a wife become one flesh. They become one plus one equals one. I don't understand that, that does not add up to me. One plus one equals one, I don't understand it. It's a mystery. I'm not gonna understand it all. And when, when you embrace that, now, I'm not saying that there's, there's not value in books. There's, there, there is, there's, I've read tons of books on marriage, tons of books on parenting. There's great wisdom from those who have gone before us. It's stored up on books and it helps us develop skill. But ultimately, all of us is gonna need grace to embrace the mysterious parts of marriage. I don't understand how to make one plus one equal one, but it doesn't stop it from being true. I am one flesh with Carrie. When God looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees me and Carrie. He doesn't know John Wyatt and Carrie Abraham. He knows John and Carrie Wyatt. He knows us together. He sees us as one in his sight. I can't comprehend how that works, but I know it's true because the Bible says it. Listen to this. Jesus doesn't have a relationship with a building. He has a relationship with what he is building. 
He's building his church. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't have a relationship with a building. He has a relationship with what he is building and he is building his church, right? Come on, man, here's, here we go. Here's the church. Bear with me. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. There's all the people, right? Jesus doesn't have a relationship with a building. He has a relationship with you. And just in that same way, I'm not married to my marriage. I'm married to my wife. My relationship is with her, not with my marriage. I can't understand how that works, but when I I treat her as such, it brings God into the equation. I'm treating her the way Jesus treats me. Come on, man. This, This building, I was about to build the building again in my hands. This building that we're in, this thing's temporary. It's concrete, it's, it's built to last a while, but it's not gonna be here forever. It's not eternal. It's a great place to worship. Man, it's great loud music, great lights, love it, man. It's an awesome sanctuary, great children's facilities. We got it all in here. One day it'll be gone, it's not eternal. You know what it is eternal? You, you're eternal. Jesus has a relationship with you. And you have a relationship with your spouse. You'll need grace to hold it all together. I don't understand how Jesus can have a relationship with me but it doesn't stop it from being true. And it doesn't stop it from blessing my life. Now, how does Jesus do this? I don't know. I don't think he read 19,000 books on it. I don't think think he got a degree in psychology and crisis counseling, right? I don't think he does it through grace. He does it 100% through grace. We will look back from heaven and we will understand that we got there, not by our works, not by our uh, striving, not by our our sacrifice. We'll We'll realize that we got there completely on his ticket, completely on grace. It's God's grace. Yeah, come on, give God a round of applause for that. It's his grace that fills a gap between a husband and a wife and makes them one flesh. There's hard work to do in marriage, but ultimately, aren't you glad you don't have to read 19,000 titles? I'm so glad, man. I I love to read, but I read because I have to. Man, some people, 19,000 books, that sounds fantastic. I don't know, man. Go for it. (laughs) Last thing I wanna share with you today around how to build your marriage on grace. And this, again, insanely practical. We have to love unconditionally. Love unconditionally. Ephesians 5 again, verse 33, says, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Like I said, there's great, we we, we rely on God's grace, but there's a part that each of us as a husband and a wife have to play. There There are actionable steps that we're responsible for. And I love how it's in the scriptures here, it's not a request, it's a command. Husbands must love their wives. Wives must respect their husbands. Oh, here we go. The word's speaking to us here, man. Love unconditionally. Guys, we have to lead the way in this for our wives. We have to lead the way in this for our wives. Love your wife the way Jesus loves you. Did Jesus wait till you got it right to love you? Oh man, he reached out to you. He loved you before you loved him. He laid down his life for you before you loved him. He did it first. He took the first step. Guys, it's up to us to love our wives the way Jesus loves us. Let me ask the wives, let me ask you this. What would it do in your marriage if your husband was an expert, not on analyzing and identifying your flaws, but what if he was an expert at overlooking them? What if your husband, every time he looked at you, He saw you as perfect in his sight. He saw past skin deep, spots, wrinkles, stains, and blemishes removed like the scripture says. Look, he looked right past you into your heart, into your soul, and he saw you perfect the same way that God sees you. 
How would that change things for you? How would you feel about that? What if he treated you with understanding and honor and grace? What if he laid down his life for you? And I'm not talking about you know, jumping in front of a, a speeding train and pushing you out of the way to save you. I'm talking about what if he laid down his life for you? His hopes and dreams and goals and aspirations, his career, everything that he holds dear in this life. What if he were to set all of that aside to champion you, to champion your cause, to lift you up, to make sure that you had everything you need to fulfill the call of God on your life? What if his primary concern was you walking in the calling of God and the anointing of God in your life? What if he made it his his uh, his greatest focus in life to champion you? How would that make you feel? What if he was concerned constantly with your well-being? What if he leaned in to listen to your prayers to do his best to make them come true? What if he treated you as God's beloved daughter? How would you respond? Guys, this is what our wives are, are waiting for from us. They're waiting for us to love them the way Jesus loves us. And if we'll begin to speak the way that Jesus speaks over us and treat our spouses the way Jesus treats us, it'll change everything. I don't care whether you're, you're dating and you're looking for that person that, to lay your life down for, or you're married, maybe your marriage is in trouble today. Maybe, you're, maybe you have a great marriage. Maybe you're single later on in life. I don't know what season of life you're in, but, but look at this. Guys, in marriage, we have to learn to love our spouses the way Jesus loved us. When we do that, it changes everything. Don't withhold it from him. And I'll tell you what, God, because he knows we're guys, he knows we're guys, and he knows that we need accountability. He even puts in 1 Peter 3, 7, he says, hey, treat my daughter the way that she deserves to be treated, or I won't even hear your prayers. Come on, and he just says it in there. Come on, do your homework. 1 Peter 3, 7. So your prayers will not be hindered. Treat her the way that you should. Come on, man, guys. God's on our side. He's for us. He equips us to do it, but then he holds us accountable. Girls, your turn. Don't worry. I'm not gonna let him off the hook, fellas. <laughs> Girls, listen, God loves to encourage his sons. And one of the ways that he does it is through the respect of a gracious wife. God loves to encourage his sons. And one of the ways he does it is through the respect of a gracious wife. If you withhold that respect from your husband to try to get what you want or to force things to go a certain direction, it's withholding the very voice of God that he needs to be all God's called him to be. He needs this from you. Think about this, fellas. How would you feel if your wife looked at you as her hero? What if her thoughts about you were always good all the time and she was constantly looking to you as, not, not as like superhuman, not as God, but, but what if she was constantly looking to you as her hero, constantly believing in you, constantly encouraging you, constantly uh, submitting to you, out of reverence for Christ? What if she was constantly coming alongside of you? What if she bragged on you, not just in private, behind closed doors, but what if out in public, if she spoke well of you and didn't criticize you to others? What if every time anybody asked about you, she had nothing but encouraging things to say, even though you blew it last night, last week, last two hours before you got there? What if you blew it, but yet she chose to see the positive in you and to speak those kind of words in public over you? What if when there's a discrepancy, between the way that her mom and dad think that you should be living your life and the way that you feel for your family you should be living your life, what if she came alongside you and surrendered and, and you guys presented a, a united front together? This is how God wants it to be for our family. What if she were to do that for you? How would that make you feel, fellas, to know that your wife is in your corner, 
She's by your side. She's all in. How would that make you feel? Girls, this is what your man is looking for. For him to be all that God has called him to be, he has to hear the voice of the Lord coming through you. This is what the voice of the Lord says to his sons. He says, you can do this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, I've got this, son. I love you unconditionally. He says, I'm proud of you. He says, I'm all in. He says, I believe in you. He says, my grace will carry you along and I will always provide for you everything you need. The voice of the Lord to his sons, he says, I trust you, son. And so I give these things into your hand to steward. Don't be stingy with your compliments, ladies. Love him generously. Show your man grace. And your marriage will flourish as a result. It'll enable him to be all that God has called him to be. Three keys to G-harmony today. Trust God's word. Embrace the mystery. Love unconditionally. Build your marriage on a foundation of grace. Come on, did you get something out of this today? Why don't you put your hands together for God? Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.